Welcome to Educator Forever, where we empower teachers to innovate education. Join us each week to hear stories of teachers expanding their impact beyond the classroom and explore ways to reimagine teaching and learning. Candace Hunter is a lifelong educator who has spent her teaching career mentoring student teachers, teacher interns, and new teachers. She has taught for 20 years, working with everyone from preschool students to adults throughout Texas. Candace is the founder of Teacher Bootcamp, a company where she provides on-site professional development and continuing education for new teachers. There, she specializes in systems and procedures, organization, and classroom management. Candace is a fierce advocate for equity in education. Schools seek her training for their professional learning programs to increase teacher success and reduce teacher turnover. And on November 8th, 2022, Candace was elected to the Austin ISD School Board. Hello, Candice. So nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yay. Well, I'm really excited to talk to about all the amazing things that you have done in education. If you could start us off by sharing a little bit about your journey as an educator. Well, my journey did not begin as an educator, so we'll start there. I began my search for my meaning in life as a lawyer. And so I went to school for three and a half years with the goal of becoming a lawyer. And then in my junior year during moot court, I was like, I don't see me doing this for the rest of my life, but I do see myself as being a teacher. And I haven't looked back since then. And I've been really excited to do that. I began my career in a small West Texas town, basically where I was a facilitator. I mean, these kids came ready-made. And then I returned home to Austin an urban kind of inner city school where I really did not know what I was doing and had to kind of learn how to become a teacher all over again. And so I, I don't, I say I became a teacher in 2007, not really in 1997, but yeah, since then I've been able to teach six through 12 social studies. I love history. And here in Texas, you have to learn Texas history. So we teach that a really great thing about becoming a teacher in the neighborhood where I live and work is I get to see my kids every day. So I was at a meeting the other day and I saw one of my students who kept looking at me and then she was like, I think you were my teacher. I was like, I was. (laughs) And so their kids are now in middle school, which that dates me enough. We'll stop there. But yeah, it's it's been a, a good journey so far and now I'm ready for the next level. That's awesome. And that's so interesting. I didn't know about the lawyer piece. That sounds like it took a good amount of courage to at that point leave and not go forward with being a lawyer. Can you talk to us about that? Oh my gosh. So let's talk about the the, the elephant in the room, the financial investment. Yeah, right. <laughs> Three years at a private institution, which becoming a teacher meant I would never fully be able to pay back. <laughs> I really did. I really, it was a really hard decision. And I called home and I had to make that phone call to my mom. And I was like, so this whole thing with the becoming an attorney, I think I'm going to be a teacher. And the response I got from her was how I knew I was doing the right thing. She was like, oh my God, finally, finally. We knew you because that's kind of like my family business. Yeah. My mom became a teacher, but didn't, you know, she got degreed, but didn't actually teach because she was like, oh, not going to teach in inner city Houston in the seventies. And so grandma and grandpa. And so this has been like a business. And she was like, I just 
thought if this is what you want to do, I'm going to support you. But if becoming a teacher is is what you were supposed to do. And so that's what I've been doing ever since and in all different forms. That's awesome. I know. That's so cool. I mean, I think sometimes we just know, right? And it's so important, I found, to listen to that sense, even when it's super inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> slash costs a lot of money or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> to have that moment of just being like, this doesn't feel like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so tuning into that of like, yeah, you can be a teacher and be you and be you in all sorts of different forms. Oh, yeah. So tell us about your role now. So I know now you're not a classroom teacher anymore. So I actually, having taken your course to build my education business, Teacher Bootcamp, where I train zero to five year teachers in any sitter schools through systems. So, you know, how to get that classroom started, how to get those things in place so that you can worry about some of the other things. You put some of those things on autopilot. And I've been doing that for a while. And I always knew I was going to do something else, but I had a child receiving special education services. And that just requires, you know, anybody who's been in school on the teacher end or the parent end, an IEP managing that with eight different instructors, that that's a full-time job, regardless of what you're doing to pay the bills. Yes. And so... I knew that in 2018, I was going to run for office, but I couldn't do it then. And my son graduated in 2021. We're so very proud of him. He went to early college high school. He graduated with 12 college credits and we've given him the gift of a lifetime. He doesn't owe any money and is about to graduate college. So yay! congratulations to him and to you. Exactly. That was the, that's like, I can't give you much, but that's the one gift we can give you. That's amazing. It's huge. We did that through scholarships and just programs and just kind of thinking about all that sort of stuff early on. And then when the opportunity came up, the district where I live, we have single member districts here in Austin. And then we have two at large. And I knew that I was going to do it. And I stepped out and I was for the first time, believe it or not, I was the underdog, like in education, because and we'll talk more about that later. But I realized that so much about like running for office, has nothing, especially for an office that has to do with education, has so little to do with children, families and teachers. Mm. Which was shocking. It was very shocking. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. I've never run for office, but it reminds me of like getting into these ed tech companies when I first mm-hmm. left the classroom and I was like, oh, they must be like so many teachers, right? Like they're, they have education in their names. <laughs> then being like, oh no, <laughs> there's no teachers and they're not like, no, they don't know about education research, like all the things. And so, yeah, I am sorry to hear that <laughs> about the like school board side or politics side, but it doesn't surprise me. I took the opportunity, though, because, again, when I was going to all of these forums and all of these conversations, what I realized very quickly is that people who are voting know very little about what's going on. This is a huge school district. We have 125, you know, facilities, 117 schools. And there are like, we went to the university, right? And we talked with the university students and they were like, why should we care? And then we would go (laughs) to like neighborhood associations and they were like, my kids, like my grandkids graduated already. And it just, I really had a kind of, because they got like to a really low point where I was like, am I doing the right thing? Mm -hmm. Because this is like, I had been an advocate, right? Like I'm a muckraker. I'm making lots of noise. And this whole other side, I was not used to, but I really just kind of sat down with my mom and I was like, oh, what am I doing? She's like, when you come over here, all you talk about is what's wrong. And all you talk about is how it can be fixed. And all you talk about is, you know, like ways to get involved. That's what you should be telling them. And so that's what I started doing, basically. People would come and talk about why they should be elected. And I was like, whether you elect me or not, here are the problems and here is what needs to be done about it. 
And that obviously was the magic bullet, you know? That's amazing. I mean, I think it's so inspiring to hear about your journey doing this and this idea of like, we all have things that are so frustrating to us, especially about education, especially about being educators, and then taking action, like not living in that entirely in that frustration, but like using that frustration for good and sharing that with other people too, that it's like, hey, they can do something about it. It starts with acknowledging, right? Like these are the things that are wrong, but then how can we work together to find a way forward rather than just accepting it? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to run because a lot of what we did on the campaign trail, on, there were five positions open in our school district and four of them opponents were teachers, right? And so we were going against people who were like dyed in the wool, politicians, big money. Like, I mean, these people were throwing that and we were just like, we're teachers. You know, we've been trying to tell you about for years how to fix it and no one is listening. And so now we have an opportunity to have a voice and be the voice of so many other teachers. And that was really cool because we got to meet like, I mean, hundreds of teachers, hundreds of families where people were just like, we're, we're tired and we don't know what to do. And we just, we just need people to listen to us. And so that's what we did. Yes. So amazing. I know it's disheartening, like knowing how much corporate money goes into school board races all over, but it's also super inspiring to see how teachers still can go for it and find a voice and find a place on the school board. Oh yeah. So I know you said it was a dream of yours for a while to run for office. And can you talk about why, what was your kind of motivation there? So unfortunately in our school district, and like I've been in the school district as a teacher since, uh, well, I was a student in the school district for so many years mm -hmm. until I left for college in 1990 and then returned as a teacher in 2007. I had seen so many, like there's this level of, we're just going to be up here on the dais and we're not going to really be down here. You know, we'll go to a few events and it was just like this distance between the community and the board. And it's like, we're supposed to be serving the community. We're supposed to be out in the community. I mean, that's, it's basically a volunteer position here in Texas. You can't get paid to be on a school board. So it's really all about relationships. And I saw that that was not happening. And I just was like, why? That's crazy. That just makes sense to me. And so many other people were saying that. And when I real, I said, you know what? I I'm going to run. I'm going to run and I'm going to be that link between, I'm going to build that bridge between the community. You know, we have so many things here in Austin and the community's lost a lot of trust in us. And so I really just wanted an opportunity to have a vote. I've always had a voice. I, I go to the meetings. I stay till one o'clock. I give my public comment. But in this case, I get to say yes and I get to say no. And I get to say that yes and no based on the will of my community. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's what was driving me this whole time. I was really honestly doing the work of a trustee. I was showing up, I was helping parents, you know, get transfers and helping parents work through things at school. And all that was kind of volunteering on the side, you know, people just kind of knew me. I think the biggest thing I did, which really helped me earn a lot of trust was during the pandemic, right? And when we first got locked down, parents started freaking out <laughs> and I started like, emailing and trying to like comment. And then I was like, this isn't working. And so I just started making videos on Facebook and be like, Hey, today we're going to talk about this today. We're going to talk about this. Did you guys know about that? And I think for the first time people were like, here's an advocate that's like communicating with us, not using big edge of speak, not doing all these crazy things, but actually trying to serve us. And then that's what I wanted to bring 
into the office. And I think that's what my fellow trustees who are now elected also wanted to bring into this position. And that's what we're doing. We're really trying to build that bridge back to the community and say, I know you probably don't remember this, but we actually work for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You've been told no, and you've been told well, you don't know enough and that you're not smart enough and that you don't really understand. We just want to remind you that yes, things are tough, but we actually still work for you. I love, love that. And so, so needed. And you said before that how many of the new newly elected trustees used to be teachers or are former teachers? So four. So myself and three others. And then the one at large used to be a bilingual teacher in the Rio Grande Valley here. That's amazing. I mean, it seems amazing no matter what, having you on the board, but also having other teachers, you know, that it can be a group of you to support each other and then even more likely, right, to cause real change too. Yes. And it helps us understand. I think sometimes when you have a board that's not as knowledgeable and you have a district and there's supposed to be some management going on, we are very aware of the situation. So when they say thus and such, we're like, yeah, but really? (laughs) Yes. Because we remember, and one of our members, Andrew Gonzalez, actually was a teacher last year. So he's like our, our like most recent. And so whenever we're really like trying to get the teacher pulse, we like look at him and be like, Andrew, is this going to fly? Should we, because it doesn't feel good. What do you think? And so I think that that's going to help us a lot because that's the one thing, man, that's going to keep us afloat are our teachers. Mm-hmm. We are in central Texas. We are a huge Mecca. We do not, we just, there's a lot of things. We have something here called recapture, which is basically the money that goes back to the state. And so we have a billion dollar year budget and $850 million that we bring in through taxes. We have to give back to the state of Texas. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's called Robin Hood sometimes because districts that are like property poor, that money goes to them. And so one thing I'm super excited about this year is we actually get to go to our state legislators and actually in February, we'll be going to Washington, D.C. and just be talking about public education and how the funding has to be changed. It has to be changed universally in our state and our country. But in the state of Texas, we do a lot of things that basically cripple public education. Mm -hmm. Yes. So important to call it out (laughs) and to make it clear and known because some people don't know, like I've never heard of that in Texas before. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure that most people, if they heard that would be shocked. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that we don't get paid based on enrollment. We get paid based on average daily attendance. So when kids don't show up, we don't get money. Yes. Same in California. I remember that when I was teaching, you know, just being like explaining to parents like, hey, you know, it does make a difference. We're not just trying to have some like arbitrary attendance policy. Like it really is how we're funded. So, yeah, I mean, I think so much we know from being teachers, too. It's like so much is better when it's clear when Mm -hmm. people have the information when you can like say it like you're saying it right, like in a way that people can understand directly to them and then really get on the same page from it. And then I'm wondering a little bit about the process of running for office. And I mean, I feel inspired by your story of like, yes, we need teachers on all these boards. You know, we need teachers everywhere. Put teachers there. But for a teacher who's maybe interested in getting into politics or running for a school board, what advice would you give them? So I will give you a reality check. One is I could not do anything else while I was running. So that means my teacher boot camp business, I was put on hold, which means I had no income coming in. Okay. So 
there was a lot of, you know, beans and rice and with a lot of tortillas being eaten in my house and there was no vacations and there wasn't a lot of extras and, oh my God, the school needs how much for what? And that's the way, unfortunately, in, in the country and in our state, it's set up. Our state legislatures only make $11,000 a year. Hmm. Yeah. And so it catered to people who are independently wealthy. Mm-hmm. You can do this. It's not for the average person. And that's, and as a history teacher, that's not what was the intent of our forefathers, right? Yeah. So that's that's one thing I would say is be aware of the reality. I would start saving up. If you know, like two, three years out, start socking away money because you're going to need it. And the part that I dislike, I guess the most is the fundraising part because you still need money for your campaign and it's asking people for money. And I was very fortunate. I have like a little mom squad. They did a lot of that work for me. Nice. They were like, donate this week. It's $5 Friday. And so there's some of that, but it's political. Even in all, you know, school boards are ostensibly nonpartisan, right? They're still very political. Mm-hmm. And so it's just be aware of that. And I kind of told my campaign manager, oh, I'm not going to go to any of these forums, like the Democratic Republican Forum. I'm not going to go to any of that because it's not nothing to do with us. She was like, "Uh, no, you kind of need to go to those things. (laughs) And that's when I was, like I said, I had that conversation with my mom and I was like, I'm just going to start preaching to people about education and, and that sort of thing. And there's a lot of small pieces. And as teachers, we're used to like make do or do without you absolutely have to be able to delegate. You absolutely have to have a team. At one point, a good friend of mine says, who's helping you? And I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm doing it on Canva and I'm doing it on, you know, IG and I'm doing it. She's like, no. (laughs) Two great ladies, uh, Nadia Khan, who is an architect, but a really big community advocate here in the community. And Sharon Vane, who's a former reporter, kind of came to my rescue. And then a bunch of other advocates were like, we support you and just really lifted me up. And and so you need that village of, of people. I would encourage every educator who wants to go to another level. I don't say, I say next level sometimes. You're still going to be a teacher because you have to train people and teach people all the time and explain to them why this will work and why this won't work. And a lot of it I'm finding is that we're doing this because this is the way we've always done it. And that is a very, very hard change. I think if people hate anything, they hate change. Mm -hmm. And right now that's kind of the mind shift that this board is bringing to our district is like, we know we've done this for 20 something years and look at our district. We can no longer do this. And so, you know, I think that the reality is that you can never make everybody happy. But at the end of the day, when I have to sit down and I decide, did I do a good job as trustee for District 1, I have two measurings. Are teachers feeling supported? Are kids having the outcomes they're supposed to have? And that's it. If parents are happy, yay, that's a bonus. I want families to be happy. I want parents to be bought in. But at the end of the day, are my teachers getting what they need to support the students so they can get what they need? And that's just how I have to measure it out. I love that. I love that. And I think that all teachers can relate to those as being goalposts too. Like that feels good and right. And it's necessary. I think when you're in a complex situation like that, where I'm sure you're getting feedback and a whole bunch of people's voices in the mix to have some like clarity or goalposts to be able to go back to, sounds like it can be really helpful. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So talking about a little bit, we talked about the school board and kind of your journey there. And I want to go back a little bit to teacher boot camp. So if you can tell people a little bit about like, how did you start it? I know you talked a little bit about it, but how did you start it? What did you learn from the process of starting your own business? Oh, my gosh. Well, I started it after I quit my job. <laughs> so when my son went to eighth grade, I was like, I, I, I just can't be teaching a full time tested subject and get this kid through high school. It's just not going to work. And so I just figured, you know, we're just going to take the poverty route. And then I had an old principal say, hey, I heard you're not in the classroom anymore. Can you come help? I got a couple of history teachers that are struggling to teach eighth grade history. Can you come? I was like, sure. I'll give you a couple hours a week. That's like volunteer, right? And then he was like, well, if you can be here on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I can get you paid, you know, 25 bucks an hour, which at the time seemed really awesome. And then later I was like, oh my God, I was working for Peanut. <laughs> I was like, I think this could be a business. And so then I did kind of just like limp along. And then eventually, you know, what, three years later, I saw, I, I don't even know where I saw your class. Like if it was on Facebook or IG, I don't even know where, but I was like, I am taking that education business class. I, I need to find out like how to do it. And I just learned so much actually from, from your class and just really, because I have a teacher brain, but I did not have a business owner brain. Um, I have to bridge those two, right? And so I was really able to do that. And I love the camaraderie of, you know, checking with everybody every week and seeing where people were. And my Instagram game is definitely upped by this campaign. So I know how to use all those features. <laughs> yeah, Teacher Bootcamp was originally here in Austin. Like I said, we're an urban school district and we have extreme poverty and we have extreme wealth. And there's not a big middle ground. So we have a lot of schools in East Austin that were struggling. And that's where you get all your brand new teachers, right? I've never taught before. I've never taught in an urban school district. And they get the job and this is the school. They just pick a school out of the school. Like, oh, I'll take that one. And I just kind of started going in and setting up those systems and helping them. And it just built. And I was writing curriculum. And I was like, okay, how do we get kids in? How do we get them going? What do we do during direct teach? How do we get them out? What happens during an emergency? What's a time leak? How do we keep kids on task? I think one of the biggest, whenever I do sort of like unconferences and stuff, I always do parent communication because I find that teachers really are afraid to make those phone calls. They don't know what they're going to get. They don't know how to make those phone calls. And so it's just those little pieces, those little system pieces that I put in. Not really, you know, pedagogy per se, but those little pieces that will have you at the end of the day, not pulling your hair out. Yes. And those are the things that are like invisible, but totally mm -hmm. make it or break it. Oh yeah. I remember as a new teacher being like, I don't even know what to do to like how to collect homework. <laughs> like, What do I do? How do I keep track of student work? Like all those things. Like I couldn't even think about what I was going to teach if I didn't have those like classroom management or something like a foundation. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, how it came out of just this one conversation too. I think that's how things often happen. Like, hey, somebody asked you if you can come in and support a few new teachers. And then it's like, oh, wait, there's more new teachers out there. And it's almost like seeing things through that lens that if there's one area where you could be filling a need, then there's likely so many more areas too. And I think one thing that I really learned in your course that I think is important for people to know, one thing that held me back for a long time is that other people are doing it too. There's no way, there's no space for me. There's no, you know what? There are other people doing what I'm doing. They're not doing it the way I'm doing it. And that's what makes it unique. And so I, I think for those people who are like, oh, I really want to, but somebody's, okay, 
Totally. Exactly. And it's validation, right? Like it's like, it's working for those people. (laughs) If there are people out there doing it, then there's probably a market if there seems to be some good successful businesses there. And exactly like no one else is you. And so I always give this analogy of like in my tab, like there's like 10 different pizza places. We literally go to eight of them, (laughs) but for different reasons, you know, sometimes we're like, oh, we're going to Zachary's like, oh, do you want to go to the cheese board? Like, for different reasons, right? Some have outside seating, some are great for families, like whatever. Same thing with any business we start, that there's, you know, a bunch of teacher coaches out there, but you do things in a certain way, or you have your own people you connect with, and there's always room for a different voice. Yep. I'm there for that. So I I think that that's important for teachers, because I guess a word of encouragement is that you're not a failure, or you're not the person you meant to be if you leave the classroom. I think that's so hard for for people. And I think it's really hard, especially for those of us who taught in Title I schools this whole time, who know the need and like see it every day up close. It is so hard for us to walk away. And so there's a couple of things I say about that. One, can you still serve kids, teachers in a different way? right? Because that still works, right? I, I don't teach in a classroom every day, but I still get to ensure that teachers are being supported so that kids can get what they need, right? I'm not directly providing that, but I am, that it's tangible. Like I'm doing good work and I know it because when I see my teachers who I'm called in, they're like, hey, we've got some teachers. Yeah, they're really struggling. And then at the end of the year, they're like, our teacher of the year and our teacher of promise are the same two teachers that you had me come in because you were going to fire them the next week. I know that that, that, that's tangible, right? Like I can see that, I can feel that, that's working. If you have to go work for an ed tech company or you need to do what you have to do, I get that. And I think that's important for teachers. It's also important for us to grow our own. Mm -hmm. So that's something here in AISD that I am working on. And we have South by Southwest EDU here. And so I'm planning on taking, we have uh, two schools that have grow your own teacher programs. And so I'm like, these people, these 16, 17-year-olds have raised their hand, seeing everything they've seen through the pandemic to say, yep, but I still want to do it. I was like, we've got to take them to South by Southwest EDU so that they can see the world that they're stepping into is more than the hardships they witness every day in the classroom with their students, with other students and their own teachers. Yes. I love, love, love that. And I think it's so true of like, you are making arguably a much larger impact now in your role, right? Like you have had this career pathway of being a teacher, knowing what a teacher's life is like, and now going on to advocate for teachers and students in a much broader context, both through teacher bootcamp and from your board of trustees work, you know, both. And so I think that there doesn't have to be that guilt, right? Like it's not just that you're a teacher in a classroom, like you can go out and do all sorts of things that are aligned with supporting students, advocating for students, advocating for schools, teachers, all the things that we might believe in on a much bigger scale. And that starts with letting go of just seeing teachers as being people who are in the classroom all the time. Like we're still teachers, just in different ways. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Candice, for sharing your story. It's truly inspirational. And congratulations again on your election. Can you tell folks if they're interested in connecting with you, how they can do that? Sure. They can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter through Hunter for AISD. 
all all there. And then you can just find us at austinisd.org. You can contact any of our trustees. And if you have questions, because there's, like I said, four other teachers, just kind of pick their brains about what's happened there and reach out. And I, I will definitely help out anybody with, with anything. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Candice. We'll talk again soon. Ready to find rewarding, impactful work in the education world? Take our free quiz to discover your next right career step. Will you be a curriculum developer, an education consultant, instructional coach? The list of possibilities goes on and on. Take the quiz to find out the best fit for you at educatorforever.com slash quiz. You'll also receive customized resources to kickstart your dream career and life. Thank you.